Let's begin with a drum set. Listen for an explosive live sound. The snare should be crisp and the cymbals should ring. begin with a drum set. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m.
Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.01 a.m. and you are listening to and watching Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Doesn't that feel good? That's a clap for all of you. Now, we have a special guest with us today. We have a full-time legislator. We have a leader. We have a state senator. A tea drinker? Yes. Is that from Jake's? No, this is my tea from home. Okay. That trail of superlatives could lead to only one person, State Senator Linda Holmes. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, so, all of you listeners out there, we have um, we have some good questions that we're going to ask today, and we've got some great news for you guys as well. So it's Tuesday, um, slight chill in the air, but the sun is shining, and it is a pretty day. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in this morning. Shout out to everybody just waking up. Norma Peterson, Tracy Duran, all of you guys. Good morning to all of you great people. Um, so. What's it like? Let's 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 get into it right now. The 42nd district and state senator. Um, we are proud to have you here. What's something that a lot of folks get wrong or, or kind of don't know about what it's like to be a state senator? I think a lot of people don't realize exactly what we do because they think our job is only the part when we're in Springfield voting without realizing that as a senator, I spend more time in the district, in my district office, dealing with people that way. Anybody that has issues or problems and needs to be connected or get answers. And your office is right downtown here in Aurora. It was, but then okay. we moved because the owner of that building decided to turn it into a personal residence. So I ended up moving to an office that's out around Fox Valley Mall. Okay. Wow, big personal residence, right? That was LaSalle Street. Yes, yeah. yes, and it's huge. It is. It's on multiple floors. Yep. It was right next to our friends of the Alive Teen Center. Great place, great people over there. Addie Rubio and Casey Chitwood, good morning to you guys as well. All right, um, so what's Springfield like? Intense. Um, Ooh. <laughs> well, you have to remember we're, we're there, you know, we, typically our typical schedule is we're there Monday through Thursday or Tuesday through Thursday. Okay. In leadership, I go in usually a day early because we have bill review, we have different meetings. So we're usually there four days a week or so. And during session, mm -hmm. session is only January through the end of May. Okay. And then it's, those are when all the bills get introduced and we are voting on them. Interesting. Uh, now, we saw you locally in the community. Um, most recently, I think it was at the Prisco Center. There was a great um, vaccination event out there and all kinds of good stuff and resources with the community. Um, how often do you, you, you do those quite often? Right? We try to do things like that, that we can interact with the community because after that, just it was exactly two weeks ago, we did another sort of a vaccination clinic out of the EOLA Community Center. Okay. And we paired up with VNA, and they came out, and they were giving boosters, first doses, and I believe also the seasonal flu shot. So we just had that opportunity for people. It made it easy for them. They didn't have to make an appointment. Right. Just show up and get your vaccine. Oh, very cool. The community appreciates that. Shout out to everybody, and good morning to you. Okay. Now... Agriculture, commerce, and economic development. You're on that committee. Yes. Um, it sounds like we would know what happens with all of this, but what kind of activities and duties are, are in there, and, and what do you do and, and responsible for with the committees? Well, we all sit on several committees. Um, in addition to that, I sit on local government, and I sit on the executive committee, and that's where bills, when somebody has a bill that's introduced, it goes through a process called bill review. And that's when it's assigned to a committee. Okay. So that means as a senator, I don't have to sit there and try to read through the multiple thousands of bills that are going to possibly come before us. Right. They get, they go, <laughs> well, they go, it's almost like they get vetted through a committee. So the committee has the opportunity to ask all the questions. Okay. Like with Ag Committee, if we've got a bill up in Ag, we'll usually have the Department of Ag will be there. The Farm Bureau usually has input on the bills. 
and they go through there and then it's got to pass through the committee before it's going to go through the whole floor. Wow. So it's <laughs> an, it is like Schoolhouse Rock told us all. You guys remember that? Man, you just heard it. Just heard about it. Um, okay. And you are the first woman president of the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. Oh my gosh, that's going back a number of years. Yes, I was. Um, I ran a remodeling company for 20 years prior to doing this. I never imagined a life in politics. It was never in the really? plans. Hmm. Uh, where were you born and raised? I was born in, I was born in Chicago, okay. the company of Mary Hospital. I was raised in Hoffman Estates, okay. moved to Aurora back in 1983. Oh, wow. Um, Aurora has... So it's my adopted hometown. Adopted hometown. Well, you've made it, you've, you have made it a, a, a real home. Uh, done a lot of good stuff here. So, Aurora, let's kind of stick with it. The Aurora of now, the Aurora of 83, we've seen a lot of big changes, but what are, this, what are some of the biggest changes uh, that you've seen? Huge changes. Um, it was actually back in, it would have been in the, in the 90s when I moved into a historic home in Aurora, off of Wilder Street. And we actually um, had a rash of burglaries in the neighborhood. That was when Aurora had some serious crime problems. Right. And we had had a rash of burglaries and a neighborhood group formed. And I was part of that group. That's how I became such an activist for Aurora, oh. which ultimately led to this. So it's kind of a, a circle of a pattern. As a matter of fact, funny story. Um, so our neighborhood group would go out and we would sort of patrol and just walk up and down the streets and be a presence. That right. was all it was, just so people knew that we were looking. And at that point, like I said, Aurora had a horrible, those were the years where we had 20 plus murders. Right, I mean, yeah. When you, yeah. When you look at what Aurora has become today, it's, it's so much safer. Mm -hmm. But we were out there and this little blonde officer walks up with her blonde ponytail, comes up and she says, hi, my name's Kristen Seaman. I'm the new community policing officer. <laughs> so, so then, then Kristen knew, right? and I looked at each other and went, how, how did all these years later, you know, I'm, I'm the senator, she was the chief of police. Kind of fun. Um, now, we, and we have come a long way from that. I think for yeah. a lot of people, uh, it's, it's a night and day situation here in Aurora. So many people, uh, so Kristen Zeman is now gone and we, uh, we have Chief Keith Cross, Cross actually. Yes. Um, and I think that the policing situation, specifically getting rid of you know gangs and crime, I think that this is a new renaissance for Aurora. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. And and you look at it, there there's a lot of building going on. I mean, back in those days, did we really have housing downtown? I mean, look at what has been built up, which one of the ways of making a city much more livable is when you've got residences and businesses. Right, right. And I think that, like I said, I think a lot of these things stabilized Aurora. Uh, I think so too. And we see more stabilization coming because there's a new apartment complex that's reporting on. It's coming next door to um, Jake's and La Quinta. Yeah. That, that lot right there. Um, okay. It's beautiful. We've got a beautiful river. We do. And it's right by River Edge Park. And as we let you listeners know, whoever moves in there, if you, you know, move out of mom's house and get an apartment, you know, have a housewarming. Invite the uh, radio crew. We'll go live from your place. Right. They're going to have swimming pools on the floors, apparently, and like the parking garages. So you can get out of your car and just walk into your apartment. Or the swimming pool is like right there. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's what I said. I so. haven't looked at the plans for that one. That'll be fun. Okay. Um, so I have. A couple of news items that I want to deliver to you great people, and then we'll get back to our discussion with State Senator Linda Holmes. And the first, this is news about friends. Rosary High School in Aurora will hold its pancake breakfast with Santa from 8.30 to 11.30 a.m. this Sunday at the school, which is located at 901 North Edgelawn Drive. Area families are invited to attend the breakfast, which will include pancakes and sausage, coffee, orange juice, and water. Participants will be able to write a, excuse me, write and color a letter to Santa and get a photo taken with Santa as well. The cost is $7 for adults and $3 for children 6 to 12 years old. Children 5 years old and younger get in free. How about that? Um, now, reservations are due by December 3rd. To make a reservation, go to www.rosaryhs.com slash 
Santa. Proceeds from the event will benefit the school's Sister Mary Joseph Scholarship, named in honor of Rosary High School's founding principal. Rosary High School is a Catholic college prep high school for young women in Aurora and sponsored by the Dominican Sisters of Springfield, Illinois. How about that? Very cool. Very cool. Um, you a breakfast person? I am. I'm a morning person, so okay. breakfast is probably my favorite meal. I you am don't a need to just eat it too. at breakfast time, but... It's good all the time. It is. It is, yeah. Um, all right. Now, we do have some more Wabonzi Community College news for you guys, which we will give to you a little bit later. Um, but before we get into all of that fun Aurora stuff about food and restaurants and all those other things, I did want to ask you about Gimme Shelter. Oh, my gosh. That's going back <laughs> ah! into the, into the mid-'90s when I was certainly much younger. Um, it was a home improvement show. It was on the Discovery Channel, and they had local experts, I so I was their handyman expert. And so they would just do, they were like six-minute segments of doing various home repairs. And you never watch TV the same after you do a TV show to realize that that six-minute segment would take hours, and if you were doing it on site, it would take Eight to twelve hours, right? Just you for are, six minutes. Yeah, you are there for that duration, <laughs> yeah. just for that little bit of footage. Um, so the reason you have a kind of like a blue collar background, you're 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 a you are a person who was as you a, a you know a, a worker, a regular person, and then got into politics, which you mentioned that you didn't see um, coming. Was it the it was the neighborhood group and that activity? that kind of sparked that interest and is that a absolutely um what it was is is because there were these issues and the city was trying to respond to them so what they would do is they would put together committees i know we had one years ago on licensing rental property owners so if you had rental property you had to go through a licensing process well and that was only for multi dwellings hmm. and we ended up making it even if you because one of the ways that landlords who are not as good neighbors would do is then they would just do a single family home because then it didn't have to go through the licensing process so we did that so because i worked out of my home i was able to make all those different committee meetings so very often i felt like you know out of this city of a hundred plus thousand i was the token aurora resident so that led to people knowing who i was and another sad situation that i think is getting a little better these days i was then asked to run for county board the thing i say that where i bring up where there's a concern is they say that politically men very often decide to run for office Women wait to be asked to run for office. Really? That's what they say. Huh. I, I, that they came after me, and I said no. I mean, I'm, yeah. I have no interest in politics. Right. Then I was on the county board for only a year, when a couple guys came up from Springfield and said, you know, we'd like you to run for the Senate. And I looked at them and I said, I'm brand new to politics, flying right. under the radar. How do you even it's my know first who day, I bro. am? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, you're not exactly flying under the radar because I guess when you're a Loudmouth neighborhood activists, people end up knowing who you are. They, yeah, they do. But um, we need more people, or I think society has needed more people to speak out and say something. And just at any given time, you know, when, when people don't, when people don't say anything, when they just think somebody else will do it, or it's not my problem, that, that whole not my problem mentality kind of thing, I think is very detrimental. But we need people to speak out. Um, yeah, people should be invested in their communities right. and in their neighborhoods. I totally agree. Um, so on the county board for a year and then asked to run for Senate. Senate. Okay. And you, you were elected in 2006. To the Senate, yes. To the Senate. Okay. What was the process of, of running? Like, because you were brand new to it. What well, was... I was brand new. So, you, I mean, you, you have some staff and political staff that, that helps you out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have to get petitions signed. In order to run for any office, you need to get a petition that has X amount of signatures on it of people who would be willing to at least put you on the ballot. Right. That's all that does. Hmm. Once you're on the ballot, then you're doing 
one of the reasons I think we've been so successful in Springfield, meaning the Democrats, was, you know, we're mm -hmm. a majority Democratic um, government in mm -hmm. Springfield, is because we were always urged to go out and knock on doors and talk to people. Right. And How else? How else are you going to do that? Um, but it doesn't seem like something everybody can do. I think that they kind of get, do they get overwhelmed or, you know, because the people have opinions. Sure. Right. And, and the process can be overwhelming. But I will tell you, I think I was most surprised at when I knocked on somebody's door, I'd be, I'd be thinking maybe <laughs> they'd be looking at you going, wait a minute, you're interrupting my day. You're a politician. Do I really want to talk to you? And yet... I've had maybe a handful in all of my years of doing this of people who have been rude. Right. Most people are extremely polite. So it's just talking to people. Right. And they're happy you come to them and ask their opinion. Because one thing people always say is, like, I never see these politicians here. They never knock on my door when I'm eating lunch <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, what was it? How did it feel to get elected? What was that, what was that day like? Take me to that moment. Do you remember? Oh, my gosh. Where, where were you? It was it was nerve wracking because at that point the district included parts of Plainfield, Joliet, Shorewood, as well as Aurora, Montgomery, Oswego, um, and I was not expected to win. I had an opponent who had been on the Will County Board for ten years, so I I mean it was it was sort of a nail biting situation. Ooh. So you're all meeting at a restaurant, right? And so my I was downtown in Aurora. I'm trying to think of the name of the restaurant at that point. It's no longer there. But so you're just watching those returns come in. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I mean, when the, when the, I mean, I won with 52% of the vote. So it wasn't this overwhelming landslide of. But that's a win, though. In. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a win. Um, interesting. All right. So the time is now 8 18 a.m. Monica, would you be so kind as to take us to a commercial? And let us know what's happening in our great city on a local tip. All right. Good morning and happy Tuesday. Here are your local headlines. Don't forget to please subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all of our content. There you can also watch all of our interviews and receive notifications when we go live. And I'll be sharing our YouTube link in our chats. The team of Indivisible Aurora will be holding a ribbon cutting for their community fridge this Friday, December 3rd. This is a long-anticipated project by the team of Indivisible Aurora. The event has been shared on our Facebook page. Today at 1 p.m., there will be an awesome and inspiring presentation by Diane Nyland at Prisco Community Center and sponsored by our friends of Aurora Area Interfaith Food Pantry. Diane is an author, filmmaker, and will detail her recent book titled Dismazed and Driven, My Look at Fam Family Homelessness in America. This event will take place in room 103 at Presco Center. Your donation of diapers and or feminine hygiene products is very much appreciated. The flyer has been shared to our Facebook page as well. Also, today a free caregiver seminar will take place from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Enjoy motivational speaker and renowned author Loretta Vini in a conversation called Moving Caregivers from I Give Up to I Got This. This seminar, sponsored by H-Guide, Alzheimer's Association, and AARP, will present tools that every caregiver needs to thrive with confidence. And I'll be sharing the registration link in our chats. Wonderful. All right. So, friend of the show, Dan Burrow, says, Senator Holmes was my county board member, followed by... Donnell Collins, my wife, Teresa Barrero, and now Dale Berman. Great people. How about that? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Sandra White, good morning to you as well. Brooke Shanley, good morning. All of you great people. And Gloria, good morning to you as well. Okay. Um, so, real quick, there is um, a great article in The Beacon, and uh, this details the low um, rates of COVID-19 with Wabonzi Community College. And it's actually a really good piece of which the uh, link I'll post to you guys later. Uh, but Christine Sobeck, president, recently sat down with the Beacon to discuss how the campus is complying with state and local COVID-19 safety protocols. And also last week began registration for the college's spring 
semester. While the college has been working on it, excuse me, COVID-19 response for over 20 months, and that while it has been a work in progress, she feels staff and students are ready to return fully to campus. And in recent student surveys, students want the option to return to in-person learning, and the campus will also continue offering online classes. Great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. All right. Um, so now let's um, let's talk more locally. What are some things that the office is currently doing and uh, has going on here in the community that will be coming up? Well, we had done that that vaccine drive. We also partnered with um, the food pantry and actually collected food that we gave out a couple weeks ago. All right, which was wonderful. And as a matter of fact, my office set up so that for a few of those deliveries, we actually went out and delivered them to the people receiving them. Nice. Oh my gosh, talk about fun. And I have to say to, to at least a couple of the deliveries, they were so much fun because they were cat owners. So I got to see their pets. And I mean, people actually invite you into their house to, to talk. And, oh yeah. Which is a wonderful thing to do. So I always say anybody who volunteers or does anything like that, you're almost selfish for doing it because it makes you feel so good to know you're making a difference in somebody's life. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's actually interesting. That's why I volunteer. Like many years ago, I realized that like when I was when I felt you know when you're done with it, I felt like empowered. It made me feel good. Like I was like, wow, I, I really feel good helping. Um, Absolutely, helping these people uh, get get better in whatever the the case may be. I was a Humane Society volunteer for a number of years. Shout out to the Humane Society. <laughs> that was the Naperville Humane Society that I volunteered with for, I think, like seven or eight years. Really? Yeah. Um, who have been some of your mentors? Well, I would say in the Senate, my mentor, and, and not surprisingly now when you see where he's gone, was uh, Senator Don Harmon, who was the senator in Oak Park, who recently, it was... Two years ago, exactly, I think, about when he became our Senate president. Okay. He was my mentor from the very beginning because being so new to politics, I would sit there and his, his, his seat on the floor was kitty corner ahead of me. And I would run over and I'd say, well, what does this mean? Because I didn't understand the whole government process and, and all of the rules. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a big learning experience to understand parliamentary procedure and all of that. And he was always a wealth of knowledge. So, um, and and again, I've only seen it like on TV or on <laughs> you know videos and things like that. Um, when you you have to work across the aisle, right? It's, and for the and for the listeners, I I kind of want to highlight on this about the you know building consensus and everything. Like, it's not possible to get one's plans worked out if others on the other side don't uh, agree to it or sign on. What's, is that true? It, What's that like? Well, it's much more difficult. Um, right now, we're at a point where we have a supermajority, so quite honestly, we can do things without sure. getting the other side involved. But I will tell you, the best legislation is when you have both sides involved. I was very fortunate when I was first elected that um, Tom Cross mm -hmm. of Oswego was the House Minority Leader. So he was my rep. Okay. And so we often worked together. As a matter of fact, I will always tell this story because now Tom is with Aurora University now. All right. After he left. AU gets a lot of <laughs> shout outs on this show. We have an AU student right here. AU. Okay. I love AU. But anyway, so always was the MC at the Oswego Father's Day Parade. I was in the parade my first time after being elected. I had just served my first spring session, and I was told to write a little blurb that Tom would read when we walked by. I will say that um, Tom completely ignored my blurb and just went on and spoke and said, you know, I'm so glad to be working with Linda. She's doing all these things. It's, I mean, to the point where I literally sent the man a thank you note after the parade which sort of cemented a friendship. We're still friends today. But that is the way you need to work with people. Tom oh. and I always looked at it as I was in the majority party. He was a minority leader. Why not carry legislation together? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's a little bit 
That's a little bit of Good Morning Aurora spirit for you listeners. You guys know that here. We work better together as a team, as a unit, and uh, bringing in people uh, from the opposite side or whoever the case yeah. may be. Um, all right. Now, let's. I was going to, as we mentioned, have to ask you about local Aurora restaurants and things. Where do you prefer? Where do you go to? Where does Linda Holmes frequent for lunch or dinner? I will typically go to Basil's, which is out around the mall. Um, it's it's more of a sort of a Mediterranean flair to it. And being that I'm half Greek, it's one of my favorite restaurants. Because if I want to go and get Saganaki, that's definitely the place to go. What's Saganaki? The Flaming Cheese. Oh, I didn't. Oh. Culture, it's great. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You have wow. not had I, Saganaki? I, I'm going to send you to Basil's and I'm going to make you order Saganaki. Fair enough. I, I can. Ah, <laughs> I have never never heard of it. How about that? I follow them on Instagram too. I like all of their food pics. I guess I got to go back and look. Saganaki. Okay. Saganaki. We had the pleasure of interviewing Angelo Chrysanthicus, I think. He, um, he was a chef at Basil's. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I like Mediterranean food. It's really good. It is. It's really good. Um, so Basil's. Basil's is one. Um, Pomegranate Cafe, which good again place. is by the mall. That's a that's a good breakfast place. Yeah. So see now I'm finding places that are close to my office, so it's very convenient to yep. meet there. Uh, that's a really good place on Commons Drive. They've got excellent bacon. Good breakfast. Yes, yeah, a very good breakfast. Good place. Um, now in your in your job as a um, as a senator, when it comes to, because I saw full-time legislator, um, is there a part-time legislator? Technically, we're all part-time. Really? What? What? It, how? That that is how, that drives I think most of us crazy, um, because it's. I mean, I say if you worked it part-time, I don't know how you do it all, because I certainly, yeah, it's definitely a full-time job to do it and do it right. Okay, all right. Because that's I you you see that it's, it literally said that um, on Ilja. For those of you who don't know what Ilja is, well, if you've been watching this show, you probably have learned what Ilja is. I L G A dot com. Yes, we call it Ilga. Ilga. Okay. Yeah, hard G. Yeah. <laughs> Ilga. Um, yeah, Ilga is a beast. But yeah, it says that, and I wondered like there it doesn't seem to be anything you know but full time with your work and what right. you've done. And the ILGA is the Illinois General Assembly is what right. that comes from. Uh, now, we, we were talking about the 42nd District and mapping and everything that's going on right now. Talk about that a little bit more, please, because for some of the listeners, they're not familiar with how, you know, what mapping is or redistricting and things like that. There, there's a process because your, your 59 senators all have to have districts that are basically the same size so every 10 years we do a census right and that gives us the counts of where everybody's at so they reconfigure the districts so that again they're all the same size because they certainly grow at very very different levels some gain population some lose population right so once they do that then we draw a new map that map is usually drawn by the party that is in the majority party mm -hmm. And we don't know what the maps will absolutely look like because very often they are challenged in the courts. So it's currently, the current map is going through that process right now. I believe the first hearing is going to be December 7th. The process of being challenged. Of being challenged okay. in the courts. So that's when they're going to be heard and they will, they want to make sure that the districts are contiguous. They want to make sure the districts do have an equal population. You want to make sure that communities of interest are equally represented. That's right. the reason for redistricting. So once we do that, they may change very differently. The 42nd district is going to change drastically. Like I said, when I first came and I had parts of Plainfield, Joliet, and Shorewood, right. that I came up, I was the district that had grown the most. So they chopped apart and actually added another house district into that area. So that's when my district changed to become basically Aurora, some Oswego, some Montgomery, some North Aurora, a little bit of Naperville. Oh. The new map, as proposed, 
has still has those communities that I've mentioned before, right. but it's also going to add into it but parts of Batavia, Geneva, St. Charles. Wow. <laughs> yes. Holy cow. Well, the only constant in life is change, right? How about that? And um, Senator- A bunch of new people to meet. <laughs> <laughs> Senator, um, you, the word of the day is contiguous. Ladies and gentlemen, contiguous <laughs> is the word of the day. Monica, if you would be so kind as to hit these people with contiguous, word of the day. Um, so that's going to be a whole lot more canvassing and getting to know people. A whole lot of new doors to knock on. Yeah. Um, just from what you, so, because you currently don't have any St. Charles. Or, or Geneva or, or Batavia. Batavia. Yes. Um, do you have any forethought or sight on, on what the, I guess, climate of those areas is or is it just going to be brand new new fresh outlook you know is there i i guess i don't know how to really put it does one look at a map and be like oh, okay that's a uh that's a map that is receptive yes you look at you look at past elections to see if there's okay. any trends on how they're moving okay um the other thing i've had the opportunity to do is to go out and meet with some of those now chambers i was very fortunate because being on the county board I actually knew Mayor Jeff Schalke of Batavia. I knew Kevin Burns, the mayor of Geneva. So I have a little bit of knowledge, at least of those cities, because I do know their mayors. Okay. All right. Going new there, mayor like... in St. Charles. So, <laughs> and she's a lovely woman. I met with her. All right. There's a new sheriff in town, and it's State Senator Linda Holmes. Okay, Monica, here's the thing. Could you please take me to a commercial i have some news that i would like to deliver and it does qualify as that thing that we like to call all right aurora will get a 1.2 million dollar federal grant for more security cameras in downtown city officials were notified they have been awarded the money as part of the federal corridor improvements for rebuilding distressed communities. According to Aurora's Chief Management Officer, Alex Alexandru, the city is likely to see the money at the beginning of 2022. He said the city applied for the grant about four months ago, thanks to work done between the city's grant writer, John Russell, and Information Technology Department, the Mayor's Office of Economic Development, and the Aurora Police Department. Officials identified about 40 locations where the city could use new or upgraded cameras. They include parking areas and transit areas. According to Assistant Economic Development Director for the City of Aurora, Mr. Trevor Dick, he says that the grant was for cities that suffered damage during the unrest in the middle of 2020. Um, and according to Alex Alexandru, the additional security would be to, excuse me, would go to good use with more and more attractions coming downtown, bringing more and more People. When the city recently purchased cameras for the Downer Place parking garage, it did so with an eye toward getting equipment that is compatible with current software. Absolutely good news. Safety is key. Safety is key. And uh, as we talked about, Aurora is um, leaps and bounds of where it used to be, and uh, the future seems particularly bright uh, here in the city. Well, and I have to say, you've got to give credit to City Hall, the mayor's mm -hmm. administration, for being so proactive on, on applying for grants that benefit the city. Right. They also have an active presence. I mean, they do come down to Springfield and, and visit with me and other legislators on trying to get some grants and pushing some initiatives, too. Huh. So I have to give a shout out to the city for being very good on that. I think we can clap. Yeah, we can do that. Yes. Yay! Shout out. Shout out. And shout out to our friends in City Hall, like Chad Jimenez. Good morning to you, dear sir. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. The time is 8.35 a.m. Okay. So, one of the things that I would also like to get a feel on when it comes to, I saw uh, the mayor did go down and make the trip to uh, Springfield, meet with legislators. Um, this is... A question once again as a as a person just on the outside looking in kind of a novice it is required of a senator to work with a mayor yes. and and it, like there is no level of a um of a local government that a sit uh, that a senator does not work with like that's part of it 
right? Well, yes. And I said people very often sort of follow the presidential election and don't look at the elections that really have the most impact on their lives, which is your local city council, right. your school boards. All of those are so important because they impact your daily life. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, we are right around the corner from the Kane County um, Government Voting Center here in downtown Aurora, right around the corner from Subway, actually. And we have, uh, you know, we've been trying to be a voice to let people know that since we're local and since we're down here, uh, voting and exercising your civic duty is always something that is um, it's good to do. And the early voting and the absentee voting have been an enormous boon and a, a convenience for residents to try to make sure that everybody does get that opportunity. And I just have to say this, not obviously as a politician, but you don't have the right to complain about how things are going if you don't personally go out and vote. Amen to that. Amen to that. Seriously. Um, and, yeah. And, uh, right. To our live audience, thank you for clapping, you guys. Thank you for clapping. Now, I, I also believe that when you when you do exercise your right to vote you learn so much more about how things work locally like for example i you know your local county board uh especially when it comes to resources that you as a resident can access perhaps quicker than um federal resources certainly um or state resources or state resources yeah those are like your your quick lifeline um to services that you may be needing which is why we've tried to shout out the king county board here many a time and also some other resources like 211 and just some of the local stuff too because they really uh can help people i do want to ask about b2b and uh let you know let you is b2b still going on the back to business grants i believe those monies i believe they are okay I mean, and, and again, that, that has been, I think what most surprised me through this pandemic was how well the cities managed, actually managed their money and coming out on the other side of it. Right. I mean, I will say, and I've got to give this plug, that businesses will do better the more people that are vaccinated, so the less COVID is out there spreading. Simple. Absolutely simple. I usually drop, drop the mic with the good comments here. Just, and I just, I'm getting beat on my own show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, the time is 8.39 a.m. And at this moment, Monica will depart us for the day and she will go off to class. And we want to say to Monica, have a great day and thank you very much. All right. And thank you, Monica, for giving me the opportunity. Hey. And now, ladies and gentlemen, ha, 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 ha. oh, it's just Curtis and, and State Senator Linda Holmes now. Yes, that's right. Monica has done a fantastic job. We appreciate her on the team. All right. Um, next question. What has been a bill that you have been proud to be a part of and why? Oh, my gosh. There's been a, been a few. Um, trying to think probably the most recent is we, we've done some, some good bills that have, some, some good medical bills. I know I did one on mammograms, the difference between a diagnostic and a screening mammogram to make sure they're covered. That's, that's a vitally important thing as we're trying to, that was working with the medical society, to try to help women when it comes to breast cancer, which we know is very, very curable in many cases if you catch it early enough. Right. So it was trying to say that some women have what they call dense breast tissue, so a 3D mammogram. You want a not just a plain screening mammogram. They need one that's more diagnostic, which is only just taking a couple different views of it. So we wanted to make sure that those were covered so that women in that situation were not going to be forced to pay amounts of money for that you know i as as you just detailed that i think to myself right now like some things that we hear about kind of seem like they would be no-brainers but then there has to be like legislation passed for it. 
have you ever had that moment like this should be a no-brainer but here i am trying but here we are trying to legislate common sense <laughs> yeah so it's not just me no. it's not just me thinking that but i do say too i can't really legislate common sense i wish that i could but right it's wow. not always possible but there's some i mean and, and some some interesting bills i've carried a lot of pet bills mm -hmm. so i'm sort of an advocate for the uh, cats and dogs oh and actually we that's part of the questions too now the animal bill which a lot of our listeners will recall uh you know the the news that we gave here what can you let us know about that that's one that has been in the works for years and years and years trying to eliminate pet stores being able to source their animals from puppy mills puppy mills are large breeding facilities and the animals are not kept in the best conditions very many of them are sort of caged for their lives right so that they can breed so we've been trying to attack that and it's never gotten anywhere and this year, we had um, DuPage County and Naperville did that, where they were no longer allowing pet stores that sell pets in their, in their city. That just spurred on all of the pet stores, a bunch of them, to try to move to Aurora. Wow. And that's when city council started getting very active in that. So they put together a committee that was supposed to study it and give recommendations. Right. And at the same time that was going on in the state, we were also trying to pass a law that was statewide that would do that. What are the penalties for the people? Do people get you know caught routinely with if they are mistreating and doing this in a foul manner? And what's the the problem is, is it's so hard to police it and and to get people out. I mean, the state has limited resources when it comes to being able to you know go in and check every facility as often as they need to be. Right. And also, they have to give advance notice. Well, you give advance notice. They're going to clean up. They're going to, right. Right. So we did finally get that bill through both the Senate and the House bipartisan. So Aurora ended up not having to do their part of, of passing that for Aurora because now it's statewide. Right. Uh, next question. In your journey of becoming a part of the Senate, what has been a key factor for your motivation? The fact that as frustrating as navigating politics can seem at times, there are other times where you're talking to somebody and you've helped them and it makes you feel really good that you've made a difference in somebody's life. I had a woman years ago who had a concern because she had a, a, a brother who was in his 40s that was out of state being taken care of by his father and stepmother and the father passed away, and the son, they had nowhere to go, so he came back living in her household. Well, he required more immediate and 24-7 care, so she ended up having to quit her job to try to take care of him, and she was starting to dip into the college fund for her girls, because what else could they do right. with her no longer working? And she came to my office literally in tears talking about it. And I was able to make a few calls with um, the Association for Individual Development. AID. AID. Yeah. AID. Yep. And I talked to them, and they managed to get him into a group home. To which, that left the, the woman who would come to me being able to go back to work. But she also said the difference for him to be in a group home with people that had similar abilities. Right. So he was working. He was, they, they had formed a bowling league. They played games in the evenings. I mean, it's so totally transformed a life. She came to me again to thank me. Again, literally in tears going, you don't know what a difference this made in my life. That's awesome. So I'm like, if I do nothing else, I made a positive difference in her life. That is absolutely awesome. Congratulations. That was, that's, that's, a good, that's good news yeah. and a good story. Um, how can folks contact you? How, how, do you, how, do we, uh, how can people who need help contact your office? Well, I mean, I have a district office that's here in Aurora. I also have a Springfield office. So those numbers are online. They can easily be, be accessed. So, so call my office, set up an appointment. And uh, one question that I'd like to ask is, how can we, our listeners, help you? Um, 
For me, it's it's basically just to give me information on the community. Let me to know. Let me know what's lacking. Are there bills we need to pass, or is there anything legislatively we can do to make lives better? And just get involved. And obviously, get involved in political campaigns if you have that desire, because we can always use the volunteers out there with us, knocking on doors, getting petitions signed. Yes, yes. If you guys want to volunteer, you heard it here. That rhymed. <laughs> I like that. See, I still have a skill. All right. Um, I have a quick another piece of news about our Aurora City Council that is very important for you guys to listen to. And then we will have our final questions with our state senator, Linda Holmes here. So listen up. I told you about this yesterday. But I will reiterate, not the word of the day, the word is contiguous, but we'll give you a twofer. All right. The Aurora City Council is set to look at a half billion dollar budget for 2022 that tries to recover some items put off during the past two years due to the coronavirus pandemic. The proposed budget is about $529 million when carryovers from the 2021 budget of $39.5 million are taken into account. That would be about a 20% increase from 2021. The actual spending plan for 2022 anticipates about $491 million in expenses with about $498 million in revenue. That makes the budget for the year balance. That's according to Chris Minnick, Aurora's CFO. Aurora, excuse me. According to Aurora's Chief Management Officer, Mr. Alex Alexandru, quote, more than ever, we're taking care of a lot of business we've had to put off for a long time for various reasons, close quote. Now, many of those things are infrastructure projects such as road work or for sewer and water that were delayed during the pandemic budgets of 2020 and 2021. Despite the proposed spending increase, the amount the city asks for in property taxes would be the same as in 2020, which means there should be no increase in the amount of property taxes the city takes for most taxpayers. All right. Now, that is information that you guys can benefit from, and all information is good. Um, so the time is 8.48 a.m. Getting, I mean, time goes fast on this, uh, <laughs> on this show. But a couple more things here before we, before we um, go. And I want to stick local, since you've been in Aurora and you know Aurora. Um, you know, we, we saw what the pandemic did and how everything slowed down here. Um, but we talked about before the show, the new complex that's coming. There's the terminal building being redeveloped um, and uh, the Hobbs building and different things like that. So the question is, is are we, uh, we're, we're seeing the light, but are you optimistic? How do you feel about the next year going into the development in the city uh, coming back? I am optimistic because I see them doing so much. Um, the Hobbs building, how many years have we been waiting for that to be renovated? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a number of years. And I mean, we have these wonderful old historical buildings, but I mean, we're going to lose them if there isn't the upkeep that needs to be done on them. Right. They're going to get to a point where it's it's past, they're, they're beyond being repaired. Yeah, and then uh, they'd be like a, uh, perhaps have to be uh, taken down. Yeah. Which would be which would be a shame. It really would, because some of these wonderful historic buildings are well worth preserving. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So I lived around the corner from the Hobbs building, and interestingly enough, that orange, or excuse me, orange, um, <laughs> that uh, onion dome, I think was iconic of it, and it really made it. But that, I remember the day they took it off because it was kind of leaning. Um, I hope that comes back in a way. I hope that, I hope, because... I don't feel that that building is the same without that. Dome, I agree. Without that dome. Um, now, do you shop when you shop and go out? Where do you go? And will you be at First Fridays for the Coco Crawl? I don't know if I will be. I have to look at what our Springfield schedule is. I do periodically do First Fridays, which I think is a again that's one of those things that Aurora does that I think is a great thing to do for the community. And it certainly in, it gets local businesses involved, and there's so much to do there. So you'll have to fill me in on the details of this cocoa crawl. Oh, uh, well, speaking of which, you guys, there is the, uh, you have to purchase the mug itself. You can get them at the Aurora Regional Fire Museum in Wickwood House. 
and then there's also a button to get as well for some of the you can try adult beverages at some of the other places mixed with cocoa or infused that's the word infused with cocoa Oh, so we can add Bailey's or peppermint schnapps to our cocoa? We can, we can, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. But you gotta have that button. Shout out to Marissa Amoni and the Aurora Downtown Group here in the city uh, for uh, bringing the holiday cheer and organizing a great, uh, a great uh, go out out there. All right, um, now when you when will you go back to Springfield? We are scheduled back on January fourth. January 4th. Okay. And that's, and once again, that will be for? Spring session. Spring session. All right. Now, okay, this year's different because of the census, because we had to move the dates of the primary because it the census data was delayed. So okay. the mapping pro- processes normally would have been done by now. Okay. So the primary's been moved to June. So what will happen is we're going to try to cut our spring session short but what they're doing is they're not eliminating the number of days. Normally, we would be there at some point in January through May 31st. They're going to try to get us out April 8th, but they're leaving the same amount of days. So it's going to be a very, very condensed and busy session. Hmm. What's, uh, what's uh, Mr. Welch like? Oh, very, very good legislator. It was certainly a change to see Speaker Madigan no longer as the speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't worked that closely with Chris simply because we haven't been working quite the way we used to Um, because of the pandemic we don't have quite as much interaction or freedom to roam around the capital because we need to make sure that we're not going to be spreading COVID there was activities taking place in like a bank building across the street or something right in a big that was was a big area yes fortunately as most people became vaccinated we got they got back into their chamber. Right. Uh, now, I've never been to Springfield, ever. We and need to have you come down. I do. I would love to come down there and see because I, A, I like the architecture. I think that's probably the most stunning part you know, on the outside looking in kind of thing. Uh, but B, it does fascinate me that what one reads or what one sees tweeted or what one the 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 headlines show one thing but it appears to be a whole different reality when you're actually there i mean i see selfies i see i see what looks like businesses you you know business getting done but it definitely does appear that you guys work together quite well and it it operates i like that I like that. I find that very admirable. We go out to dinner together. We, yeah, we certainly socialize together. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes, I mean, it becomes a little confrontational only right around the election time. Other than that, it's, it's, it's more like a fraternity or a sorority where, you know, you're, you're with your peers. Who else understands your job the same as somebody else who's doing it? Very good. Yes, you're right. That's obviously, yeah, you're right. I like that. Uh, I had the opportunity to canvas once upon a time. And I have to say, I give you guys a lot of credit. I, I do. I, I, I appreciate the fact that legislators go out there and knock on doors. I once lived in a place where nobody does that. Or nobody, you know, where I grew up, nobody, nobody was knocking on your door to yeah. see if you wanted to come listen to Illinois Treasurer Michael Freerich's detail monies the state may owe you that wasn't happening it was in my freshman class we he was elect- we were elected we started at the same time really yeah. oh shouts out he's a he's a uh he seems like a cool guy he we is like, a yeah. cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> um but nobody was doing that and i think as a result of that people society citizens the average citizen they become complacent you know and, and they just or uh excuse me cynical they just think that all oh, the they don't care they're there but they don't realize that like we're all very much connected and closer than we actually think um and, and most of us are there for the right reason most of us are there because we actually want to do good for people right unfortunately like any other job i mean look at what we saw happen with the police yeah because there were some who, who abused their power mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to paint them all with the same brush. It's the same with your politicians. Are there some corrupt? 
I would dare say that any industry, any job has people who are not good people. Right. Exactly. But the majority of them really are. Yeah. And another thing I think is interesting, they're responding to their constituents too. That's like another thing to maybe take in. You know, so if you're wondering why they vote wacky, because people in Town X <laughs> said that they want him to vote for whatever the heck. Um, all right. So the time is 8.56. Before we get out of here, what have you not yet done? What's what do you got to do? I'm actually delving into this with a group called Compassionate Care, which is talking about the the right to die to for people to be put out of pain if they have a an illness that is actually going to to cause them to die within the next few months anyway. To give them that that choice to decide what to do. So I don't know if we're carrying something. I don't think we are. It's something I'm exploring now. Yeah. So I need to look at all sides of that issue, get input from the public, of course, my constituents, to find out what they think. So, I mean, this is going to be a process of a few years to really study it and look at it to see if that's something we might do. But that's something I'm, I'm really interested in at least exploring and taking a look at over the next few years right and uh taking and taking that look means bringing in the relevant yes. stakeholders and organizations and and, and getting there. input from people right i mean that that's what matters the most the opinions that matter to any elected official the most people like to say oh it's the lobbyists for money and all that and it really isn't because it matters to everybody who lives in my district because they have the ability to vote me in or out right so that's the opinion I care. Right. right. That's the opinion we care about. This was a powerful conversation. This was a powerful conversation. I uh, I enjoyed talking to you. This was fun. Thank this, you. Well, you know, no problem, no problem. This was a lot of fun. All right. So I'm going to give you one more thing. One more thing. I promised your folks, and then we will wrap this interview up. But do not forget that today. At 3 p.m., there was a great informational webinar taking place on Facebook Live on enrolling in the Affordable Care Act Health Insurance Marketplace. The open enrollment period for residents to shop the Health Insurance Marketplace is now open through December 15th. U.S. Rep. Bill Foster and State Representative Barbara Hernandez are inviting you Aurora residents to participate in that. We have shared the link to this on our Facebook page. I think it's like four posts down or five posts down now, so just scroll in a little bit and you will see it there. Um, Health, Hernandez and Foster will be joined by experts from Get Covered Illinois and the Illinois Department of Healthcare and Family Services with this webinar to help residents get their questions answered and to provide information regarding signing up for healthcare. You can find the best option for you at getcovered.illinois.gov. The show ends on a positive note. What is your message today for the people of Aurora? To celebrate the fact that we are coming out of this pandemic, get out there, enjoy yourselves, do some local shopping, help the businesses that have been impacted by COVID, mm -hmm. and certainly go out there and look at if there are any opportunities to volunteer your time to help others. It will ultimately make you feel really good about yourself too. Amen to that. Well, all of you great listeners, we appreciate you guys tuning in and we appreciate State Senator Linda Holmes for her time. Have a great powerful, prosperous, and motivated Tuesday. Take care of yourself and each other.